All right, have your Bibles, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, or your device, whichever one you have, open it up to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be burying ourselves in this text today. I know that God wants to speak something very important into our hearts and our lives. I think that God has a challenge for us today as God's people. And that's the reason why I really enjoyed that song that was sung at the very beginning by the choir about letting our light shine among a dark world. You know, really, that's what God has called the church to be. He has called us to be a light in the midst of great darkness, to make him known to a lost and dying world. God has really been pressing this on my heart over the last several weeks as we're getting ready to approach Easter. I realize at Easter time there will be so many people that will come to a worship service on that Sunday who otherwise would never be a part of a worship service the rest of the year. And many people that will come won't know Jesus Christ. They have no relationship with Him at all. And it is a great opportunity for us as God's people to really let God's light shine among a lost and dying world at this time of the year. People, for some reason or another, well, we know the reason, right? They're drawn to church at Easter time. They may not do it any other time of the year, but that one day of the year, they will come out and participate in a worship service. So y'all be praying for me. We'll be traveling next week down to Panitas. I'm going to be working on a sermon as I'm working on missions down there. You just pray for me that God will lay on my heart the message that he wants me to share. I have several that are kind of swirling around in my mind for that particular Sunday. Now, Brother Travis is going to be here next Sunday with y'all. I'll be in the first service with you, but since I'm not going to be in the second service, Brother Travis is going to be leading us through the teaching and the preaching of God's Word on that Sunday. Now, there's one thing that I'm always fearful of when I let Brother Travis preach and teach the Word of God. This is what I'm fearful of. I'm fearful I'm going to come back and we're in chapter 6 of the book or chapter 7 of the book of John. I'm going to show up and he's going to say, hey, brother, we finished that book. Now, where are you going next? That's what I'm scared of, that he's just going to go through the entirety of the book. And then I'm going to show up and I won't know where to start and pick up after that. But y'all pray for Brother Travis. He's going to be leading us next week. I know that God has his hand on him. He's going to use him in a great way. So this morning, as you open your Bibles there to Mark the six, I mean Mark the first chapter, we're going to be looking at this story that is found. Let me give you a little bit of the setting as we approach this particular text. Jesus Christ is walking by the seashore or Galilee, and he's getting ready to call his very first disciples to come and follow him. As a matter of fact, it's that verse of Scripture that I've often referred to where Jesus says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, that is our great challenge as followers of Jesus Christ. We've been called into a relationship with the Lord. We've been called to follow Him. And the natural result of following Jesus Christ is this. If we are truly following, we'll be truly making disciples. We'll be fishing for men is what Jesus Christ tells me. But as we're walking along or as Jesus Christ is walking along the seashore, he's going to come across four different men and he's going to invite them. He's going to give them the invitation of coming and following him is the invitation that he is going to offer them. Now we realize as we look at this story, this is not the first time these men met Jesus Christ. There is no doubt that they had come into contact with him at some point in time along the way. 
We're not sure if maybe John the Baptist introduced them. Maybe they were at Jesus' baptism. We're not sure. Maybe they were up at the temple sometime when Jesus went to a feast there. Maybe they were at the miracle that Jesus Christ performed at the wedding in Cana. This is not the first time that they have met Jesus Christ. But what is most remarkable to me in this story is this. Jesus Christ comes walking down the uh, the seashore. He sees them in their boats. It's Peter, his brother Andrew, James, and John. He sends out this message, this challenge to them. He says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What follows next is what's most amazing to me in this story. Do you know what the next word is that is recorded there? Immediately. They left everything. Immediately. They left everything. I don't know if that word really has the full impact of what is taking place in this story. I mean, they have forsaken all to follow Jesus Christ. They left everything behind. Immediately, they leave their careers and they leave their families to follow Jesus Christ. Can I just say to you this morning, that message right there is not a popular message in America today. Somehow or another, we have removed completely the cost of following Jesus Christ. What we simply communicate to people is this, come down, pray a prayer, believe that Jesus Christ existed and everything will be all right, and we never, ever, ever challenge people to consider the cost in following Christ. Jesus Christ himself said, who builds a tower, a building, without first considering the cost? Only a fool would do something like that. I've never built a building, but I have redone a home. And I can tell you something. It would have been utterly foolish for Robin and I to have started the project of redoing our home if we had not first considered the cost of doing it. Can you imagine? Now, I realize budgets mean nothing in redoing homes. I've grown up a lot over the last year and a half of redoing homes. You can put together whatever budget, but can you imagine inviting someone to your home? Hey, come in. Come on into my home, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to redo everything in my home, and you know what? Just see me when you're done. Now, we would say that person is utterly a foolish person. Jesus Christ says the same thing. It is utterly foolish for someone to say that they will follow me and not first consider the cost of what it means to truly follow me. So in this story, what Jesus Christ is going to do, He's going to help us to understand the meaning of truly following Jesus Christ, of what it means, what it looks like, what it looks like when we live that out in a lost and dying world. And what I challenge you to do is what I have tried to do all this week. Put yourself in the middle of this story 
and see or try to understand the words of Jesus Christ in the manner in which these men understood the words of Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to what he says here in the opening words or the opening verse of this passage, verse 16. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, it is Jesus. Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother, his brother, who were in their boats mending the nets. Now here it is again. That word appears two times in this passage of Scripture. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. Can you imagine this picture in your mind for a moment? To me, when I hear the words of Jesus Christ, these are some of the most radical words we find anywhere in God's Word. Jesus Christ shows up on the scene. One group of men are sitting there mending their nets at their boat. Jesus Christ looks at them and He says to them, Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They don't put their nets away. They don't put their boat away. This is their career. It would be like someone showing up at our office one day. We own a business. A man comes passing by. He looks at us. He says to us, come and follow me. We don't even lock the doors of the office and we're right behind him. We're on our way. Can you see that? Can you see how crazy, radical this is? when you think about what it truly means to consider the cost of following Jesus Christ? They left everything right there on the seashore. They left it all. Down in the second story, that word appears again in this text. Immediately they left their boats, but Mark adds another dimension in this story. Do you know what he says? and their father, and their father. The two most significant things in a person's life these men have just abandoned to follow Jesus Christ. They abandoned their career and the relationship between a father and son in Jewish culture was one of the most significant relationships that a person could have. They've just abandoned their father. I tried to put myself in this story, and as I was thinking about this, what in the world would I do if my son and I are outside working and somebody comes along and looks at my son and says, Levi, come and follow me, and he ups and walks off and leaves me. We don't know what Zebedee's response was in this story, but I can imagine what I would have been. How, where are you going, boy? What are you doing? We got work here to do. Can't you see that? He may have not said it with that Texas slang accent like I did, but I have a feeling that it may have been that, you know, he, those words may have come out of his mouth. Where are y'all going? What are you doing? We're here providing a living for the family, and you have up and forsaken me. As I look at this story, I see very simply three truths about what it means to truly follow Jesus Christ. Let me share them with you quickly. First, to be a follower of Jesus Christ means to be with Him. Means to be with Him. 
Now, that probably seems like a given in this story, or at least a given to us, when we think about the fact that when we follow Jesus Christ, we are called into a relationship with Him. But I wonder in our culture if that's truly a given any longer. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is much more than just holding to the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's much more than just believing Jesus Christ was some historical figure that lived years ago. It's much more than just coming down front of the front of a church and praying a prayer and then saying, I have a relationship with the Lord. To follow Jesus Christ is an invitation to be with Jesus Christ. To know Him in a personal way is what it means in this text. As a matter of fact, the historical context helps us to understand the exact meaning of Jesus Christ's words here. And when we understand the historical context, at the age of five, every Jewish boy was sent to school to study the Torah, the law. By the age of ten, the best students were selected to continue in their studies while the others returned home to work in their family business. Can I say something about these men on the seashore? They weren't a part of the select group. They're working in the family business. They're not still studying under the rabbi. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, that gives me tremendous hope. I realize I'm not the wisest, the smartest, the slickest, or the most eloquent with words, but I am grateful that God chooses those who are available to be used by Him. To go back to this, at the age of 17, those who remained in school had to select a rabbi and continue to study to become one of his disciples. If he was accepted by the rabbi, he sat under his feet. The rabbi chose students who they believed had become or had the best potential to become just like them. Those disciples, boys, would then follow everything that the rabbi taught and did. They would get to know him. The goal of the disciple was to be with the rabbi so that they might know him. They might know him. This is not the only place that that's taught in the Word of God. I want you to flip your Bibles over at least one page or your device over to chapter 3. This is the calling of Jesus Christ's apostles. And I want you to listen very carefully to what it says here in this passage of Scripture in verse 14. He says, And he appointed twelve whom he designated as apostles, now don't miss this, so that they might be with him. Do you see that? To be a follower of Jesus Christ means to have a personal relationship with Him. It means to be with Him. This invitation that Jesus Christ gave these men was an invitation that a rabbi gave to his students or to the disciples that he wanted to follow them. Come and follow me. And that is Jesus Christ's invitation in this story, to come and follow Him. 
Listen, before God ever called us to serve in any capacity, before He ever called us to do anything for Him, He called us to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ that we might know Him and be with Him, is what it says. So the very first truth we see here to be a follower of Christ is to be with Him. It is to have a personal, daily relationship with Him, is what it means. The second truth I see in this passage of Scripture is this, to follow Jesus Christ means to forsake all. Means to forsake all. Look back with me at this text here. Just quickly, I've already spoken about this. Verse 18, And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. there's anything that we can say about this group of men, it was this. They forsook all for the call of Jesus Christ. Their most significant relationship, they left behind. Their career, they walked away from in order to follow Christ. Folks, I think this is so very important for us to understand. I realize the world in which we live in today, we may not all be called to go off and leave our family or even change our career for the call of Christ. I realize that. But can I also say this? Some of us may. Some of us may. I think one of the elements we have left out of the gospel is the cost of following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have preached easy believism at the expense of God's grace. We no longer ask people to consider the true cost of following Jesus Christ. But I will tell you something. That was not true of Jesus Christ. When he preached, follow me, it was always with a cost. Following Jesus means you subject everything in life to His Lordship. He is Lord of all, or He is Lord of nothing. To follow Christ means to forsake all for Him in life, is what it means. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or a welder, or whatever else, the pipe fitter, or a teacher. That's not what I'm saying. But I will say this. 
have you considered asking God? I'm not trying to tell you who to marry, but I will tell you God will tell you who to marry. Have you considered asking Him about the person you're dating right now? You're engaged to? Men, don't be nudging your wives. If you're married to her, she's your gift from God, all right? Amen. Amen. There you go, brother. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we make plans for our lives without ever consulting God in the plans. To follow Christ means to forsake all. He is Lord of everything. Our families, our marriage, our work relationships, our career is what it truly means to consider the cost. That's what it means. Number three, to follow Jesus Christ means to reproduce spiritually. Reproduce spiritually. I love this passage of Scripture, and the reason I love it so much is it's not ambiguous. It is so very clear. If I were going to boil down this passage of Scripture, this is what I would say about it. If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. Let me say it one more time. If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. Now, don't be upset and angry with me. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ looked at these men and he said, follow me and the natural result of you following me is this is what will happen. You will fish for men. Do you see it? Jesus didn't say, follow me, and you know what? Some of you will have the gift of evangelism. The rest of you won't. And those who don't, you don't have to worry about fishing for men. Only those people have... That's not what God's Word teaches. God's Word is very clear. Come and follow me, and this is what will naturally happen. You will reproduce spiritually, is what God's Word says. You will reproduce This is not the only place that this truth is taught. Look with me over at John 15 very quickly. John 15. We're going to have an opportunity later on to really get deep into this passage when we get to it. But today we're just going to give it a kind of a surface look. This is what this passage is all about. It's about Jesus Christ. He is the vine. We are the branches. And as long as we can stay connected as branches to the vine, we have power to live the Christian life. But this is what I want you to hear me say. I want you to look real quickly with me at verse 8. This is a great verse. It's a convicting verse. I want you to listen to it carefully. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, And so prove yourself to be a disciple. Listen to it again. Listen to what he says. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit is what he's saying. And by doing that, you will surely sow yourself to be a true disciple of mine. If you want to know if you're truly a follower of Jesus Christ, 
Ask yourself the question, am I bearing fruit? If I'm bearing no fruit, then I need to back up and I need to look and see if I'm genuinely a follower of Jesus Christ. Those are not my words. Those are Jesus Christ's words. If you're going to be upset, you'll have to be upset with Jesus Christ this morning. Do you see what I'm saying? Bearing fruit gives clear evidence that you are genuinely a disciple of Jesus Christ. So what does Jesus mean when he says bear fruit? Well, the answer to that is in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all things that I have taught you. Listen, folks, discipleship is not a program. Discipleship is someone. It is you and I. That is discipleship. It is you and I sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world, bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, taking them, bringing them to my side, and walking with Christ and showing them what that looks like as I live out my life. Do you see that here? Isn't that so clear in this passage of Scripture? Jesus Christ said, Come and follow me, and the natural result of following me is this will happen in your life. You will make disciples. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means to spiritually reproduce. I thought about this, thought about this little analogy as we close this morning, this story. What if you were walking down the street and you met this guy and he was dressed like a fisherman? He had his fishing rod in one hand, had his basket in the other one. He had that vest on with all of the baits hanging off that floppy hat. And you meet this guy along the way, and as you look at him, you assume to yourself, oh my goodness, this guy's a fisherman. Hey, you must be, oh yeah, I'm a fisherman. Well, tell me a story about a fish you caught. Oh, I've never caught a fish. You've never caught a fish? Oh yeah, but I'm a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you see the illustration? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I've never reproduced anything. I've never caught anything. I've never fished for men, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You see? But isn't that what we often see? Jesus Christ said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The foregone conclusion is this. If you're following, you're fishing. If you ain't fishing, you ain't following. That's the truth. This morning when you came in, you received a card. On that card, it says this. Who's your one? If you flip that card over on the back side, you see a blank space. This is my challenge for you this morning. If you're a member 
here at Crestwood Baptist Church. If you're a member, that means you've said, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what you've said. During our time of invitation, I want to encourage you to take that card and I want you to pray. God, reveal one name to me this year, right now, here, that I can put on this card that I will begin to pray for and then I will begin to take opportunities to share the gospel with them. And then when they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I will walk with them to help them understand what it means to follow. Can you imagine what Crestwood Baptist Church would be like if every single one of us won one person to the Lord this year? Can you imagine that? It would be unbelievable. Jesus Christ said, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Those are his words. The second question I would have for you this morning is this. Are you a disciple? Do you have a living, personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know him? That's the key. Do you know him? Perhaps... You are the one today. The one who needs to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for your word and the way it speaks truth into our lives. Lord, you are awesome, great, and we're grateful that you are so very clear with us in your word about what you desire of our hearts. Father, I pray for the members that are here this morning that they would take out that card and they would earnestly pray and that you would give them that one name that they can pray for, that they can share the gospel with this year. And then once that person comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they will walk with him or that person to teach them what it means to follow Christ. Discipleship is not a program, Lord. It is someone and we're that one. Father, if there's people here this morning who don't know you in a personal way, I pray today would be that day they would join their heart with your heart. They would come to understand their need for Jesus Christ and realize that apart from Christ, they are utterly hopeless. Let them consider the cost as they look to Jesus Christ. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.